if you ever had the opportunity to visit Europe, particularly the central part of Europe, you might not notice it first, but if you happen to look down instead of up, because normally when you're a big city for the first time, your eyes kind of wander upward. But if you happen to look down, there's these certain areas where these, there's these stones. And what it is is just a slight indentation from the normal walkway there. It's just high enough. It's not meant for you to trip on it, but it is meant for you to just stumble a bit. And if you look down on the ground, you will notice these different colored uh, stones that have names on them. They normally have names, they have dates, and they have a location. The location are normally death camps or concentration camps. They were where Jews and people of other ethnicities at the time that were not wanted during the rise of Hitler and the Third Reich, this is where people were taking from that very building or in that immediate vicinity, they were taken away and they were taken to a place where they more than likely were killed. In fact, right outside of the place that we used to go for study abroad were a set of stones that you can see up on the picture on the screen right now. These are names of real people. These are locations of where they were taken. And in many cases, you see the actual death, when they were killed, when they were murdered, when they died of starvation or sickness. It's kind of a sobering thing because normally when you leave your house or your apartment, there's not usually stones telling you about the people that lived there before and are now dead. It's something that you're not going to know that much about. This was a terrible time. But one of the worst parts of this time of history was the fact that for the most part, the Christians stayed silent. In fact, they didn't just stay silent, but they actually became co-conspirators at time or began to partner. And most of the time they thought, well, it's not enough for me to get involved with. There's not really anything I can do. So at the least, they would just keep their mouth shut. You know, we like to talk sometimes, you know, if I would have been in a certain time in history, I would have been the one that would have stood up and done something about it. The truth is, is that most of the time, we tend to be cowards. We tend to be people that don't have anything that we're living for. In fact, from a very early age, the normal mantra that you might hear from your parents is, don't get involved if it's not necessary, <laughs> That might not be the actual phrase, but think about it for a moment. That's how we tend to live. If it's going to require me to put myself at risk for another person, if I'm actually going to have to step up and show some courage, it's easier for me just to back off and think that, well, somebody will take care of this. There was one guy during this time, his name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's become very famous. He was a theologian. He was a minister. He got his PhD at 21. What's wrong with all of you slackers? And you can still to this day read the translation of his dissertation. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. He was extremely well known. But from the moment that Hitler gained control, Bonhoeffer decided he was going to risk his own kind of reputation and his own um, you know, standard of what he had been set out from the family he had been raised in, and he was going to speak out. In fact, very early on after a famous incident, Bonhoeffer went on the radio and spoke against it. In fact, they ended up cutting it, his message before he was even finished. He began to find himself in a lot of trouble. His friends 
kind of gathered around him and found him safe rescue in New York City. I could talk all morning about his experiences there in Harlem in New York City and kind of the spirituality that he saw, particularly among African-American churches. But one of the most formative events for, for him was getting to know these people in New York City that were so invested in the plight of those that had been marginalized and mistreated. And Bonhoeffer began to think, of, to, think to himself, I cannot be this cowardly. I have to go home. So he went home. He started a secret training place for church leaders in a resort town called Finkenwalde. I'll leave it to the Germans to name a resort town, Finkenwalde, as if that's beautiful or something. But there they were in Finkenwalde, and they were training people to secret, in secret so that they could step up against what was happening all around them. And he writes this book while he's there. If you only read one Bonhoeffer book, read this one, Discipleship. This is his quote from it. Again, remember, this is a guy who's literally risking his life to train people to stand up against what's happening around him. And he he says this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. There's a lot of invitations that we could give at the well this year. This is the best one. Come die. I know it's not great news at surface level. It's not promising. But I'm here to tell you, most of the people around you have not figured out what is worth dying for in their lives. And if you do not have something that's worth dying for, you are wasting your time. And I don't mean in some kind of American cinematic death where you're going to save the world and save a bunch of people. That, that happens in movies. That's not typically real life. I'm talking about the kind of dying where you give up every single day of your life for something that's beyond yourself. You take on an identity that's not about you alone. Last week, we talked a lot about identity. We're going to keep talking about it. So just kind of get comfortable and ready for that conversation. But one of the things that I pointed out when I spoke a a week ago Monday was this. Um, If it's up to you to define your own identity, you will just find yourself exhausted and done with your own life because you can't do it. And the world around us is constantly telling us, you need to figure out what your identity is. You need to look introspectively and find it all within you. But I'm here to tell you again, that is a lie that's not worth pursuing. People like Bonhoeffer, in the face even of other Christians who refuse to do likewise, find something worth dying for. There's a scene in Mark chapter 8 in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus has gathered a group of disciples around him, and he's telling them what it's going to be like to travel with him. And for the most part, they're excited about this, but there's a lot of moments where they're really just confused. And he gets to this point where there's this conversation going on where Jesus even asked the people that are spending so much time with him, who do you say I am? And there's a lot of talk about who Jesus might be and who others are saying he is. And then Jesus has this to say about coming after him. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. 
And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? This is what Jesus understands all too well. You know that empty feeling that you're experiencing right this very moment? Don't fake it. It's there. Things are not as they should be. There's something missing. And we try to find routines and practices to fill it, and it just ends up leaving us wanting more. You know that feeling? If you don't have it, you need to take a few moments today. It'll only take a few moments. Quiet in yourself and just reflect. You know that feeling? It's your soul wanting more out of life. It's you looking for something better. And the ways that we begin to fill our lives, Jesus knows all too well, it leaves us with just deadness inside of us. And so Jesus says, the good news is when you die to yourself and you find something worth living for. So again, I'm just going to simply ask, what have you found that's worth dying for? You can waste your life. Most of the people around you will do that same thing. But again, there is only one place, I promise you, that you will find something worth dying for. To live is to die, as Jesus says. I shared this a week ago Monday. This is a quote from Alan Noble. I want to share it again. Human life is simply too hard and too miraculous to lack a purpose. We need something to make sense of the fact that we are alive and justify that life. If you cannot answer that question, stop what you're doing and get someone that's willing to have that conversation. If you cannot ask that conversation right now, right here with what's worth dying for, then figure it out with the help of others. You cannot do it alone. That's not how that works. But you can find people willing to walk alongside of you. This week, At the well, we're going to focus in on the fact that discovering what our identity is leads to all sorts of real challenges. But when we lean into those challenges, when we discover that there's something beyond ourselves, there is a hope of a life that's worth dying for. And you will be in a better place. And the people around you will be in a better place. So I want to challenge you to listen and to discover what God might be doing. Thanks.